Hello and welcome to another episode of the Meat and One Veg podcast with me, respected food writer Simon Carlo. And when I say respected, this week I've been described as the equivalent of rising damp and a pissant, presumably by my peers who love and respect my opinion. This podcast finds you from 18, a swanky members club that has seen this damp rising to the 18th floor of 103 Colmore. I have a martini in an empty stomach, so buckle in kids, this could get spicy. First up this week is Roberto Ortez, chef patron of Peruvian restaurant Chicana. Given my love of Peruvian producers, it was great to spend some time with a man who'd had quite the afternoon before we met him. Uh, hello, Roberto. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Very well. We've turned up at a bad time. They've actually got a bit of a, a flooding issue downstairs in the basement. Flo- flooded basement, yes. Yeah, yeah, I came in and Robert was um, Roberto was uh, scooping water up and bringing it up himself. You're supposed to be head chef. Well, yeah, but I'm a very kind of hands-on everywhere, really, you know. I, I, I do everything in the kitchen, so I'm not... Do you know, that's, that's one of my first memories of you, was kind of the opening party night here. And not only was you cooking the food in the kitchen, but you was also bringing the plates out and serving oh, yes. people directly. Yes, you yes. Know, got a real sense of you being the kind of guy that, that not only wants to cook the food properly, but also explain the story and... And, and the concept, not con- concept's an awful term, but explain how Peruvian food is and, and how, you know, what we should be looking for. I really love to do it, actually, you know, to, to come out as, and um, it, it, it creates a great kind of uh, engagement uh, with customers, really, yeah. So how's the restaurant going? Well, I think we're, you know, we are uh, uh, um, growing as a restaurant. Uh, I think the clientele are... Uh, you know, some kind of, uh, the lavas, you know, I think uh, we're getting a little bit more established here in, in, in Birmingham, mostly, especially people are, you know, people, the members of the, of, of the team absolutely are, are happier uh, somehow with us. And the food is also is kind of uh, finding the, their own way, you know, to, to showcase, you know, Peruvian, Peruvian food, Peruvian product, as, you know, is kind of my goal really you um for me you've kind of achieved this beautiful cult status within birmingham where um you're like eternally beloved with with the city you know i, I never hear anyone say a single bad word about oh. chicana as a restaurant and everybody especially my friends around mosley kind of realize how lucky they are to have this on the doorstep i, I, I doubt there is any peruvian restaurant in the uk that's that's as good as the food that's leaving here at the moment I mean, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm sure, probably, but I'm, you know, but I, I can't say, you know, like we, we can't uh, really sit and relax. You know, we keep we keep working hard. Uh, I think that that's what makes a difference. Uh, we keep working, you know, the produce uh, with flavors, especially uh, with things that we know and with things that we learn every single day. You know. Uh, Yes, I'm trying to be competitive with any any other Peruvian restaurant uh, in the UK or anywhere really, you know, as long as we can do it. Uh, um, and that probably is bringing us the position where we're, we're going really. How would you define Peruvian food? 
Peruvian food, I will say, uh, has a huge diversity. Uh, it's full of colors, flavors. Uh, there are amazing flavors, obviously, kind of uh, different levels of flavors, really, if you can uh, uh, kind of uh, make it work. But yes, you know, it, it's a country that has this multiple uh, layers, you know, of uh, even of, uh, of uh, climate. Uh, so it helps, you know, of, with a variety of potatoes, corns, chiles, even the limes, you know, somehow are sweeter, you know, so. I'm interested, does, have you tried the option of substituting certain Peruvian products for British products? There are things that you can never change because then you will go, you, it will taste different, like the chiles, for example. You know, the chiles, uh, you cannot change it for any other chiles. That's the mountain chili, yes. only grown in Peru. I'm, I'm uh, probably Ecuador and Bolivia also. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm addicted to the stuff. Yeah. yeah. I, come, I come here and I ask for them on everything. Yeah. 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 And occasionally you get one that's so hot you can't talk. It happens to me, and, and I was so kind of scared once when I gave it to one of the, the, the waitresses. It's almost like a joke, actually, <laughs> but it was so hard, you know, like, it, it, it stops you kind of breathing. You know, I, I love chili yeah. heat. Yeah. I love chili heat, but I remember sat here, well, the last time I was here, what, three, four months ago, and I had the, I had the lamb dish, asked for extra chilies on top of it, and I had one that was so hot I couldn't speak for yeah. like five minutes after. You always get one and yeah. a little container, yes. Assuming that people listening to this haven't been to your restaurants and that Peruvian food might seem a little bit exotic for them. You know, it's quite, it's quite a new food to have in the UK. If we have a look at some of the terminology that you've got on your menu at the moment, could you give us a very kind of brief explanation about what they are? So if we were to start with ceviche. So ceviche, uh, is, it's been, uh, you know, with us in Peru for since the, the Inca Empire, but the, the way how it was uh, marinated was uh, with, um, not with limes, but it was with a fruit called tumbo. But it's a, effectively, it's the process of, of cooking slices of raw fish using acidity from citrus. Yes, that's right, yes. So here at Chacana, you know, we do, we do have a um, similar process, but uh, in order to make sure that all the time is the same, we have all the recipes as a restaurant, and we, we make a, a, a kind of juice using limes, uh, chiles, coriander, ginger, garlic, uh, ice to keep it cold, uh, so not, also not to discolor the things, and we, um, the, the, this mix. And also we have a quite special chilies from Peru that is called ajilimo. Uh, they come in kind of red, yellow, green colors, and they're kind of they're quite hot, but they have uh, they're full of a uh, kind of citrus flavor. So it does help to lift up the, the dish. The idea of the dish is to be simple, light, and fresh. So it says here that your um, your ceviches are typically cured in a Peruvian spice citrus sauce called tiger's milk. Yes. I remember being um, just really kind of reading Jay Rayner reviews of oh. the restaurant you used to work in in Soho. And I remember it very clearly. And I remember reading him talking about tiger's milk and thinking they can't be, they can't actually yeah. be tiger's milk. Um, I now know that to be different, but, but 
To anyone listening, what is tiger's milk? What happens is when uh, you cook the, the fish with this marination, you keep kind of cooking it slowly, you know, like braising slowly with a spoon, and the fish gets cooked, and all the nutrients, let's say, from the fish, or a mixture of fishes or, or shellfish even, all these juices just come out and becomes kind of whitish, okay? So then the milk work comes on, uh, and the effect that once you drink it, it can cure your hangovers, for example. Is it that has, true? It, it's very true. Can I have a bucket of it, please? <laughs> oh, you can, yes. <laughs> or, um, you know, and also it's been associated to be a kind of a, kind of aphrodisiac for you. you can know? I have two buckets of it, yeah. please? <laughs> yes. Why do they call it tiger's milk? Because it makes you feel like a tiger at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I've been told by your business partner that you have a very colourful past. So I'm, I'm interested, kind of, how, how did you end up in the UK and what was, what's the Roberto Ortiz story before this? I am from the Amazon region of Peru. And I, I left one day, I remember, to, to Lima. And then I found a job, uh, which someone, actually someone found a job for me. He was uh, to work in a restaurant uh, next to the seaside called Costa Verde. It doesn't exist anymore now, uh, but it used to be one of the probably top restaurants in the country. But obviously my life as a, as a cook, uh, as a chef, started you know, when I was very little with my grandmother, then with my mother. And when, How many years after that did you come to the UK? So I came up when I was uh, just 20, something like this. Really? Yeah, yeah. And then, was it Peruvian restaurants at first, or was it...? No, so we came as a student, so at that time you could uh, work 22 hours per week and study the rest of the week. And I worked for a little bit in, a, in an Italian restaurant. Then I ended up uh, working in a, in a private club for, just for the theater. Then uh, I started to work at the Landmark Hotel. When becomes things become a bit tougher because you have to be extremely kind of competitive because there was 106 chefs there, and I think I was the number 105, just just above the, the you know the bottom of the line somehow. Um, so every day you know big chefs will come and give you a big list of jobs, do this, do this, do this, do this, and then when it was done you go home. If it was not done you have to stay there. So. Then I moved at the Four Seasons Hotel. You worked at Four Seasons? Yes. I worked there, and then I think Four Seasons kind of shaped my, uh, my cooking with the ability of manage people and to respect produce, for example, okay? And then you won a star, first Peruvian yes. restaurant in the UK to win a yes. star. So you... Um, that's, that's some fate, isn't it? Yes. But it was so hard, you know, we... We inherited at the time that restaurant, I think it was Turkish restaurant. They had so many issues, the flooding like today here, or electric issues or whatever. And we did a soft opening for a week. And we said 20 for lunch, 30 for dinner. And then that was Wednesday. And then we did 40 for lunch, 80 for dinner. So, you know, everything doubled up. And the next day, to, to keep the orders coming, you know, the fish, for example, 
It was one day that we had to go to Max Spencer to grab some fish because there wasn't enough. And from that day, the restaurant didn't stop until probably 2016, 2017, when things a little bit slowed down. So you listen to this now, you've never been to Chicana, you've read the Jay Rana review of it. Did you know Jay Rana was here, by the way? Did you see yes. him through the kitchen window? Yes, so what, what happened, this is, this is very, very difficult because we launched a Peruvian week that day, <laughs> and uh, started Wednesday, and it, uh, he, he's, booked, uh, he's booked on Sunday, someone booked for him on Sunday, and he just appeared at 5 p.m. with someone, the band, I remember, the waiter was coming and uh, talking to him and I said, look, uh, we have this menu. We are not doing the normal menu this week. So he was kind of upset. And he said, but we didn't know you are coming, you know, so you have to have this. No, I, I, <laughs> and he said, I, I, want to see, I want to see the chef. So I came and I talked to him and I said, look, doing this, but tell me what you want. No, give me your menu because if I do this, someone comes... And you are not serving this in two weeks or two, one month. I'm not going to do a review. I'm going to walk out now. And at that point, I said, you know, maybe it's a little bit rude or whatever, you know, but we have to understand customers are king, you know. And, yeah. and uh, I, I said, okay, tell me what you want from the menu. I will do it. Just give me a little bit of time. I said, no problem. So he chose three things and uh, we have some snacks that day that's supposed to be for that week so gave him with entertainment a little bit some nice fresh bread maybe a drink he had I don't remember and then we started cooking you know cooking for him and he loved it yeah everyone loves it yeah so you've never been here before you've read the reviews um, especially the excellent one, both of the excellent ones on meat and one veg. I, I, I see it was the first, uh, the first uh, review that we had, actually. I, I came, I was the first, I think I was the first table on the first Friday you opened. Such was my keenness to, to eat here. Um, and if memory serves me correct, I got incredibly pissed on Pisco Sours. Wow. If you, if you was to tell a newcomer to come to the restaurant to have a snack, a starter and a main, which ones would you order? I will, I mean, if it's the very first time, I will ask them for, to go for the ceviche. You know, the, the snack can be the beef, maybe, or the, can be the corn, um, which kind of has the little flavors of Peru, you know, the chiles. Uh, then, or, or have the tuna nikkei for main course, or, or have the crab causa, for example, that... You know, it has lots of flavors inside. It's very refreshing. The crab coast is yes. my favorite. Yeah. yeah. Then for mains, probably maybe the suckling pig. Everyone loves the suckling pig. I love the suckling pig. Uh, this oh, is my order yeah. right here, Robert. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for your time You're welcome. today. You're welcome. Um, it's always a pleasure speaking to you. I find what you do so utterly fascinating. Thank and, you. Um, and I personally love that I'm learning about I learn about food every time I speak to you, and then today's no different. So, Lovely. Um, yeah, I've, I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you, Roberto. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank Cheers. you. Thank you for coming. Malbec's and Pinot North. Pork scratchings with banana and lime. Meat is delicious. I drink Carling on the weekend. I drink Jagerbombs and banana sambuca. And the ham and cheese baguette. And now for some royalty. By royalty, I mean Birmingham Independent royalty. We head to Indian Streetery to meet Diraj, who was in the news when some strugglers walked in last week. 
So we're in uh, Indian Streetery with one of the owners, Diraj. How are you doing? Yeah, all good, mate. All good. Good. We've, uh, we've known each other since your street food days, haven't we? Yeah. Mapping back to about, what, seven, seven years ago now? Seven years, yeah. yeah. So um, the Indian Streetery uh, was formerly the Indian Rasai. Indian Rasai, yeah. Yeah. Uh, used to dig the dining club a lot. Am I right in saying that... The menu you have here at the Indian Street is kind of an, an elaboration of what you used to serve at. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think especially at lunchtime, you know, the grab and go. It very much is what we used to do down there. I remember back in those days, we used to just have the wooden planks going down, street food one side, you know, traditional bowls on the right side. But yeah, we've kept that lunch menu exactly how it was really. Um, I remember you actually coming down, having having the chart for the first time, you know, down at Digworth. Yeah, yeah. And I remember you coming back, and be like, I'm gonna, you're gonna be seeing me a lot. Yeah. <laughs> to, be, to be fair, over the last seven years, that's that's it, been a theme. It's yeah. one of my consistents. I always pop into in town here. I I I, I love charts. You know that. Right. It's uh, one of it's one of my things. And um, I think the version here is mega. You um. You had, you had quite the random visitors last week. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. Um, yeah, started with a call on 13th of April, the week before their arrival. Um, I actually thought it was a prank call. I know I've mentioned this before, but literally had a call. It was like, yeah, just drop us an email. We'll, we'll have a look into it, thinking I'm not going to receive any email. Um, got home had a quick chat with my parents. They just looked at me like, you look a bit off today. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like what's going on? <laughs> They're like, was everything all right? I was like, yeah, yeah, just, yeah. I said, just have a look at this email. I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not the only one seeing this. So yeah, um, kind of escalated very quickly from there. Um, the guys came down just to have a look at the premises, said that they were shortlisted, had about 20 restaurants that they wanted to kind of view. We just told them about our story really. Um, the the all-female kitchen really stuck with the guys and they wanted to do a nice feature on that. Um, and then yeah, the day after that we had about 10 policemen walk through the door saying, right, we need to check every every corner. So and then yeah. Did you have to close for lunch? Yeah, for the service, yeah. yeah. So it was half eleven till two thirty we closed. So obviously we're talking about uh, the Prince and Princess of Wales, Kate and Wills. What did they eat? They had one of our famous charts, actually. They had the Belpuri chart. Good choice. Um, so nice and spice. We, Prince William isn't a fan of too much spice, so we did have to tone it down a little bit. Whereas Princess Kate, she was like, just chuck as much in as possible. <laughs> um, they had the meti chicken. Um, uh, again, it would appear they've been reading my blog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, so yeah, the meti chicken obviously been a dish on our menu since day one, um, and then the house black doll. Um, we actually found out Princess Kate loves kidney beans. Here's my dad. He, he likes to do a bit of research. He researches anything. We're watching a show halfway, and he's like, starts googling it. So he did the same, and um, yeah, she, she loves kidney beans apparently. So. We kind of did those those three dishes to kind of show what we do, and then they actually finished off with the rotis that they made in the kitchen as well. Did they uh, did they tip well? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> as you touched on, you have a you have an all female kitchen, um, which is which is yourself fairly unique. I mean, the only one that I kind of know on outside of that is. Um, the lady who does it in Covent Garden, whose cookbook I have at home. Darjeeling Express, isn't it? Darjeeling Express, yeah. that's one. Asma Khan. Yeah. So um, she's the only one, the other one that I'm uh, really familiar with who does that. And I think it's, one, I think it's bloody wonderful. But um, 
it must have been such a joy for those people in the kitchen to to hang out with Rolton. Yeah, you know what? Like some of the photos that have merged, and it was it was pretty surreal. But I think just for yeah for the kitchen stuff that we had in there, um, just talking about the dishes and how they make it, and giving royalty actually tips on how to make. I mean, I mean Prince, Prince William asked, "How do you make rice? Mine all sticks to the pan, kind of thing." And it, it, you know what? It was just lovely because it was actually just such a nice informal conversation. Um, but the pride you could feel, especially with like the head chef as well, introducing younger chefs and kind of saying, "Look, hospitality is more of a, a career. It's more of a path that you can really build your career as well." And I think days like that just kind of round, round it up really nicely. That's incredible. Did you have anyone, um, anyone you know asking to be put on the books for a day so they could come in and work? <laughs> no, no, actually. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, um, nobody knew until the morning. Literally, apart from close family, we were saying, okay, even the team that we asked to come in, we had a list of like 10 celebrities. And it was like, right, pick this person, this, pick, who do you think it was? No one picked the royal family because I think they just thought that's a bit too far out the way. Um, so yeah. Come on, who, who else was on that list? That's what I want to know. We had David Beckham. <laughs> <laughs> we had Drake because he was performing in Birmingham anyway. So I thought there was a couple of Punjabi stars, AP Dillon. Um, we had Lionel Messi. I thought pre-season break for, for an Indian in Birmingham. <laughs> um, Rishi Sunak we had as well. I think a lot of people did think it was Rishi Sunak because of the whole police and kind of drama a couple of days before. Phenomenal, <laughs> phenomenal. So, so thanks very much for your time. Is there anything you, you'd want to share about Indian Street Street? Family business, growing strong and kept really with that kind of core concept. And yeah, we have a, we have a selection of the street food dishes that we do based on our family dishes as well. Um, one of the popular dishes, if anyone was to come down and try it, Cannon Hill Park Picnic, actually based on memories of being younger and having that dish in that park itself, so that's a really nice one to have. So you're far too modest. Yeah, it's, it's food, food's fantastic. Here. Oh, thank you. I think that proves that the royal family read my blog. And now Tommy Matthews of Passing Fancies, a man who recently described himself to me as the Switzerland of Birmingham hospitality, maybe because he always has a foot of Toblerone up his ass. Okay, so next bag. There's a lot of bottles. There is a lot of bottles in this one. It's quite worrying. Okay, so the first big bottle, the one that's sticking out the top, is actually just sugar syrup. So that's positive. So we've got something to balance if we do want to use some acidity. Um, next up, oh, oh, it is fancy, aren't we? It's, it's we have a, Don Julio. It's some fancy to Don Julio out. Blanco. That's lovely. We'll see where this is going. And then right down the shitter again. <laughs> we, have, <laughs> we have Dead Man's Fingers banana rum. Dead Man's Fingers, <laughs> uh, interesting products. Do you know what, like, dead, again, like Dead Man's Fingers, it fills a gap in the market, I'm sure. This is me being super political right now, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, that is something that I would probably never put in my body. And I don't say that about me. Are you, are you going to use the Dead Man's Fingers? I am absolutely not. That's going on the back. <laughs> That's going with the LucasAid. All right. Sorry, Dead Man's Fingers. Next up. Next up, we have Pip's Hot Sauce. Shout out to Pip. Yeah, shout out. I absolutely uh, adore. Pip, Pip keeps on calling me uh, weird on social media. Uh, were you surprised by that? And it's just, it's, <laughs> I mean, uh, Pip, if you're listening, you won't be because you probably, you know, Let's face it, one person's going to listen to this. And it's yeah, you. yeah, you're probably in the dark horse <laughs> getting drunk right now. Um, but uh, 
Pips, stop calling me weird, please. <laughs> um, no, I'm a massive fan of Pips. Always has been. They've actually got a little... Um, they've got a stand-up at uh, the Red Brick Market just behind us. But for me personally, I, I just... I can't do... I don't do spicy drinks. The idea of, like, chilli margaritas, which is what this is, could be shaping it to be. Like, chilli margarita-style things, like, that's just not my vibe. I think that belongs on, like... Are you not you know, a fan of the Bloody Mary, then? Do you know what? I'm not, no. Like, I, I make a banging Bloody Mary mix... Technically, I think I make a delicious one, but I just, I literally can't stomach it. If it's something that is thick and that umami, it should be soup. Definitely shouldn't be a cocktail. It, it's gazpacho, isn't it? Yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah. that's fancy, you know. <laughs> Massive shout out, Pip. Love your stuff, but unfortunately, this is going on the back bar. Sorry, Pip. <laughs> that's what you get for calling me weird. <laughs> All right, next up. What's this? Oh, mango and ginger vinegar. Oh, cool. Uh, okay. Y- Yartis. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I met Yartis um, doing judging Ooh. for the Great Taste Awards. Um, absolutely phenomenal products. Phenomenal. Oh, it smells amazing, hey? Yeah. So a real clarity of flavour. Okay, cool. We're definitely going to use that. I think mango, mango, ginger and tequila is like, that's a match made in heaven, hey? And what's the, um, what's the last bottle? The last bottle is, it's actually a bottle of lime juice. Ah, okay. So what's, uh, what you got in mind? Do you know what? Like, thinking about it, like, obviously the tequila, the lime, and the, and the sugar, you know, you can make a delicious margarita-style drink, but that's not what we're here for. So normally you can use, and it's actually been quite a big thing in, in cocktails for the past couple of years now, five-odd years, um, is this, like, introduction of something called a shrub, which is where you get a fresh fruit, i.e. mango or strawberry or like any type of, you know, pineapple, any type of fruit, you blend it down into like a puree. You add like water, sugar and vinegar and essentially it preserves the flavour so it's a juice that never really goes off. It's, it, it doesn't, I mean, it depends on how much sugar you put in but it, you know, it doesn't really start to ferment that, that quickly. But then also it means that you can use that single ingredient for texture because you've got obviously the blended fruit in there. You can use it for acidity because you've got the vinegar and the natural acids from the fruit. And then you can use it for a bit of sweetness as well because you've got the, the fruit, the, the fructose and also the sugar that you add in. So it's actually really cool that we've got a little vinegar. So what I think we'll do, I'm going to bring Pips back. I'm bringing Pips back. Pips, bring, Pips, 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 come, is, Pips is back from the dead. <laughs> so we're going to do a shake and drink, like margarita style. Yeah, we're going to shake the Don Julio with the, the vinegar and the, a touch of fresh lime juice. I really don't want a lot of lime in there. It should be more about the mango and ginger flavour, but this does have quite a lot of chonk to it. It's quite sweet, so probably we'll need a bit more acidity. And I don't think we'll need sugar, but, and then we're just going to put a bit of pips in as well. So the whole idea is like a bit of spiced mango. That ginger will help with the spice from pips as well. And hopefully it turns out delicious. So talk me through, um, I'm not really a tequila... Uh, I'm not the biggest of tequila drinkers. Yeah. Don Julio, good tequila? Yeah, great tequila. Really, really great great tequila. I think I've said this for a long time, and, you know, someone I used to work with, uh, a guy called Toby Heap, who's now working with the guys at Trentina and Tierra and stuff, he used to say that tequila really is the misunderstood mistress of the alcohol world. Like, there is so much category diversity. When you look at, like, all the different types of agave-based spirit, be it... Tequila, Mezcal, Sotol, Bacanora, Ricea, like all these different types. Like we as Brits. Was they drinks, by the way? Pardon? All those names. Oh, sorry, no, they were just like, uh, they were types of agave based spirit. Oh, I I thought they were Arsenal football players. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, yeah, so like, 
they're basically types of, of agave-based spirits. So like red wine, you've got Malbecs, you've got fucking, I don't know. That's as far as my wine knowledge goes. <laughs> Malbecs and Pinot Norts. <laughs> In the UK, we've got a real weird relationship with tequila where that we've grown up going to O'Neill's or Yates or Spoon's, seeing that dirty-ass bottle of tequila on the back bar and it's saying five shots for a fiver and us somehow thinking that's something acceptable to put in our body. I mean, everyone loves a, loves a deal when we're younger, right? But we now have this like, perception of tequila that you know, we don't like tequila, but then such a widely consumed drink across the UK is a margarita. So it's like, oh, well, you hate the spirit, but you'll smash a margarita. It literally makes no sense. Yeah. But it's because we've, we've sort of grown up, if we've come through you know, universities or just going out after school or whatever, we've grown up with bad quality produce. And that's such a, it's prevalent in cooking and it's prevalent in drinks as well. You use bad quality ingredients, you're going to have a bad product. So with the sort of the, the tequilas coming through, like Don Julio, loads of other premium tequilas, um, they are a bit more pricey, they're, they're, you know, but they're worth it. They're super delicious and honestly a, a must have to me for a home, for a home bar. But we're going with 60 mil. This is, a, this, is a, this is a proper Bev. This is a big Bev. This is a two ounce two ounce Bev, um, yeah, so 60 millilitres of Don Julio, and we're going to go 20 millilitres of mango and ginger, really get that mango and ginger popping, and then we're just going to put in, just to help boost the acidity a little bit, because that really is quite chunky and sweet, which is it's delicious, we're just going to put in 10 mil of freshly squeezed lime juice. So it's effectively a margarita you're making here? Yeah, yeah, essentially, I mean... When, you, when you're making drinks, it's about like identifying what ingredient gives what to the drink. So you look at the classic daiquiri, it's literally rum, lime, and sugar. <clears throat> it's the three things you need to make a cocktail. You have alcohol, which is obviously the aim of the game. Then you have sweetness to balance off with acidity. So, and it's about getting that right. So in this case, you know, we've got the, the tequila as the, as the booze, as you know, the pinnacle of our triangle. And then sort of instead of it just being sweet and sour, we've sort of combined them and we've got sweet and sour in the vinegar as well as another layer of flavor from the mango and ginger. And then we're just boosting in from the side a little bit, of, a little bit more acidity to give that like refreshing vibe from the um, lime juice. And then we're going to put in pips. I really, do you know what? It's the Naga one, so go very easy on it. Yeah, you? oh my God, I just opened it. They smell so amazing. They yeah. really do. She makes unbelievably good hot sauces. I need my basket. This is, um, this is potent. Yeah. I mean, this is... Um, what, what's, the, uh, what's the aftershave they wear in Anchorman? Is it Sex Panther? Sex Panther, that's Sex Panther, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's Sex Panther potent. It is. All right. It smells like Bigfoot's dick. It smells... <laughs> Don't really want to know what your bedroom smells like, Simon. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we've got like half a bar spoon, so I'd say that's like roughly two and a half mil. I can smell the hot sauce from here. Yeah, yeah, I'm actually gonna put the lid back on. That is fragrant as. All right, I'm just gonna give it a little shake. All right, nice and cold. Ooh, smells lovely. It smells like hot sauce. <laughs> it smells like hot sauce. We are gonna serve it up in a classic coupe, I think. Straight out of the freezer. If that's anything you want to do at home. You know, it's like Sunday dinner, right? You know, a lot of people are like, oh, why are you serving, you know, 
Why does, your, why does your glass have to be cold? My mum would never dream of giving me a Sunday dinner on a cold plate. So I'd never dream of giving you a cocktail in a room temperature glass. Just put it out there, I'm going to get shot for saying this. Sunday dinners are overrated. Sunday dinners are overrated? Sunday dinners, full English breakfasts. So I agree with full English breakfast. They actually make me feel a little bit ill. Yeah, um, same with Sunday dinners. I don't, want, I don't want to sleep after a meal. The thing about Sunday dinners for me is, I think they're hella personal, right? I don't like going out to eat a Sunday dinner because it's never going to be as good as my mum made it. So, like, why would I even bother? I'm going to ask a silly question here. You've just poured that and it's gone straight to the top of the rim of the glass. Do you know when you're making a drink instinctively how much will be in there? Yeah, 100%. You kind of, like, when you're, when you're building a drink out of a minute like this, we have loads of different types of glassware. I'm a glassware nerd. And they all have different volumes. Something we talk about in bartending a lot is, like, fill level. So like how aesthetically pleasing does your drink look? You know, like when chefs are plating food and they're wiping away smudges, marks. Like, if a drink is too full, like right to the rim, it's not fit for purpose because you're going to deliver it, you're going to spill, it's going to look bad, people are not going to want to take a photo of it, it's going to be hard to handle. Um, so yeah, when, you, when you're building the drink, you sort of, you do the maths in your head real quick. Like, that's why you hear me switching between ounces and, and, and mills. And then you sort of figure out what the rate of dilution is going to be with the style of drink you're making. And then you can figure out what volume of glass it's going to be in. But yeah, anyway, let's give it a go. It looks the pot. Holy shit, it's spicy. Hey, oh, Pip. What? It's two and a half mil. I mean, it's Ooh. nice. That slaps, dude. Sweet, sweet baby Jesus. <laughs> that, that is a hell of a drink. <laughs> it's balanced. You just... You get the sweetness from the vinegar, right? Like, there's obviously a lot of flesh in whatever's in the, in the vinegar. There's still a lot of the juice from the mango in there. You get the nice ginger kick come through. I have a lot of spicy margaritas, and I have to say that is, um, that is absolutely delicious. Yeah, glad you like it, man. Um, margarita fricatan. Uh, Pip thinks Kyla's weird. Kyla <laughs> 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 is weird. <laughs> Our guys have asked us to say that it's only six inches of Toblerone. Next week, we're in the kitchen with Brad Carter of Carter's and Mosley, knocking up staff dinner for the team from his cookbook of the same name. As ever, I'd love you to support this pisson by leaving lovely reviews and listening, telling your friends all about it and sharing what is arguably the best podcast ever to come from Meat and One Veg. This is the Meat and One Veg podcast. I'm Simon Carlo and it's a 969 media production produced by Simon Borshovsky. Just before it starts the state. Oh honey, you're getting that so wrong. Hey, go treat yourself. That skills. <laughs>